When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a breakdown. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here show, Three Swings, which is a show about baseball, but also a show about life. Is it a show, or is it just me talking to you for 10 to 2 hours? It's debatable. It's so hot in Los Angeles. It's so hot. It's 92. I was like, why do I live here? And this is the one reason I don't want to live here. Every other reason I love. And I can deal with it. It's not going to be this hot forever. Or it might be eventually, but it's going to be hot like that everywhere and I won't really have a choice. So, it just is what it is and there's really nothing that I can do about it. Um, How about that episode last week with Dr. Meredith J. Wills? I hope you have caught up with it. Because like, I interviewed a dang astrophysicist on my podcast and we mostly talked about knitting. So how cool is that shit? <clears throat> you know, it's uh some cool shit. So had a great time talking to her. Really excited to maybe go to Cooperstown sometime and see the socks that she made. But yeah, it's so hot here that I don't want to record this podcast. Like I just sat around and ate cherries for like 20 minutes when I could have been just recording the podcast because I'm being a baby. But I'm also a baby who's going to go to the mall in a little bit and pick up a BB gun that I bought for myself (laughs) for my birthday, which is in... Many days from now. It's uh, in like two and a half weeks. So yes, I'm an adult, but sometimes I'm a baby. So I bought myself a BB gun. Now you might be like, but Rhea, I thought you weren't into guns. Well, look, everything's complicated. Every single issue that ever comes up, everybody feels like they have to have a very concrete stance on everything. And like, yeah, man, I mean, violence sucks and guns suck too. I bought a Red Rider BB gun. So it's like... A BB gun to shoot cans and bottles. Like, I have no interest in shooting any sort of a living thing. Um, It's mostly literally to shoot cans and bottles for fun. And that's it. Who knows? I I might hate it. I might be like, well, this is dumb. I don't know why I got this. But I like a Christmas story. And I do like proving that I've got good aim, you know? Like, I just do. It's just a thing about me. So I'm going to go do that later. And it will have already happened when you listen to this podcast. What's going on for me? I'm still plugging along at life. uh, Not allowing fear to overtake me. Having those thoughts and things and setting them aside. Um, Putting together a practice of being an adult. I would say that my apartment is clean right now. It could be cleaner and more tidy. 
But I've put that on my list of things to do, and I would say, in general, pretty goddamn clean. And that is a new development in my life. I didn't really practice cleanliness. Not going to make any excuses, but I would say it wasn't like there was food. It didn't look like, you know, the first night of Home Alone or anything in my apartment. But it also wasn't super tidy. And people, I didn't have people over. And I'll tell you, I sat around and I blamed my mom for it. Does my mom live here? No! She lives 3,000 miles from here. And I haven't lived with her in 12 years. I don't think I can blame my mom for that. You know? So, mm, I decided to learn how to be tidy. And it took like a week of really committing to doing it every single day. And now my place is just like clean. Things have places where they need to go. I've gotten rid of shit. I got rid of my in- almost my entire movie collection. And if you know me at all, which some of you do, that's a huge thing. Like, I had a movie collection from 24 to two months, a month ago. And it was like how I that, that movie collection was like, look, that's me. <laughs> I would like point at it and be like, now you know who I am by the movies I own, which is two copies of The Fisher King, Honeymoon in Vegas, which I've never seen. <laughs> and like... The Weather Underground, a documentary that I did hang on to because I think it's out of print. I saved a couple things that were out of print. And I'll probably end up getting rid of those in a couple years, if not months. Because I realized, like, I didn't need it. I have, like, all these books that I've never read or will never read. I'm getting rid of them. I am going to keep my bobbleheads for now because I like them and they're cool and they don't really take up that much space. I'm going to need to do something about my hats. But first... My t-shirts. And it's taking me a minute. Because I like have to get mentally ready to get rid of my t-shirts. Because like I got a lot of them. But I never... They're, they've been under my bed for six years. I don't think I need to keep things that have been under my bed for six years. Right? No. I'm not going to magically move into a house and then like put all my t-shirts on the wall and people are going to come over and be like, oh my God, look at these t-shirts. Like, that's not a thing. It's not a real thing that's ever going to happen. So I'm trying to be good about like, if I get something new, something old has to go away and I give it away. And if it's trash, I throw it in the trash. I decided because my squatty potty didn't fit in my bathroom, the door hit it every single time if it wasn't perfectly put away. And I'm the kind of person that leaves it out. Because if I don't leave it out, I'm not going to use it. And then what's the point of the damn thing? So I decided to spend the $40 and get the nice, like, decorated wooden squatty potty. And then I was going to get rid of the squatty potty. My old one. My big plastic hospital-looking one. And then my friend had expressed interest in the squatty potty. And I was like, look, it's very helpful. (laughs) It's a good thing. It's positive. It's good. You should try one. And she was like, "Mm, I don't know. And then I was like, hey, this is super weird. So feel free to be like, this is weird, dude. I don't, don't say that to me. But I'm getting rid of my old one. And I'd happily give you this one so you could just try it out. And then you can just throw it in the trash when you're done recycling, when you're done with it. And then she took it. And also I cleaned it before I gave it to her. Which is not something I would have done a month ago. I would have just been like, here it is. And it was not like covered in poop. It's just like it was covered in 
you know, dust and dirt from having shoes on it a lot. And then, like, scraping along the ground. So it had, like, dust and stuff. And it was just, like, you know, whatever. I cleaned it. And then I gave it to her. So it was, like, a nice thing that I did. Even though it was a very weird thing. I fully admit to it being fully weird. I don't think it's not weird to give someone a squatty potty. But I also think it's totally normal and fine. Because who gives a shit? Well, Squatty Potty, that's who. And this podcast is not brought to you by Squatty Potty. It's brought to you by somebody else. And we're going to hear from them right now. And then we'll get into some baseball stuff. That was such a good ad read. The person who does these should get paid more. So, this week, we are focusing on, guess what? Women in Baseball Week. That's July 21st through the 27th. I also just want to give a major shout-out to Megan Rapino and the Women's U.S. National Team for taking care of business once again. They should be paid more than the men. And not out of some sort of, I don't know, gender-based thing. It's like, it is gender. The thing is, like, People who argue about, like, women's sports not being good enough, da-da-da-da-da, all this shit, the women's US, na- U.S. national team is not only better, more people watch it, it's more exciting, they should get paid more. They should get paid more than the team that doesn't do as good, right? That's the logic that most, like, and let's be honest, men, but there's a lot of women that argue that women's sports suck, so it's kind of, I, I can't say it's only men. But the ones that scream the loudest, we'll say, tend to be men. And there are a lot of men who aren't doing this. So shout out to those men who aren't doing that. Shout out to those women who aren't doing that. And shout out to those non-binary people who aren't doing that. Um, but that's always your argument, right? Is that the women aren't good enough and the men's teams are better and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? This one instance proves your point. And so you're actually wrong on the. Actually, you're right on this one. And a broken clock is right twice a day. So, guess what? They should be paid more. Anyway, uh, I'm just glad that they won. I'm glad to see somebody with that haircut. And, like, I don't know. It's it's just the evolution of Brandy Chastain to Megan Rapino and all the people who have played between those two. It's just, like, I'm... Oftentimes, it's easy for us to focus only on the bad that's happening now because there's so much of it. And also, I just want to remind everybody, there's always been this much bad. We just didn't always know about it. And that's not to say, like, well, who cares? That It's just, like, sometimes you got to give your brain and your heart a break. Because making ourselves feel bad or making ourselves feel sorry for everything isn't going to help us put anything good into the world. Because that's kind of the... If you're not... I, I don't know if I've got any, um you know, members of cr- Congress or senators or actual politicians listening to this podcast but if you're not those people there's kind of nothing you can do about you know i don't know the administration that's happening right now or any of the shit you can grassroots organize you can get out the vote you can vote yourself you can help people vote differently you can drive people to the polls you can do all that stuff but guess what you won't be able to do any of that stuff if every waking moment you feel sorry for yourself or for everything else that's going on And that's not to say that you can't ever feel that way. You just can't live in it. You know, anger and sadness are truly not sustainable. That is something that I have learned 
over the past literally 50 days, which is that, yeah, these things happen and sometimes they're big and they feel inescapable. But I can be a person, there were people around me who didn't tell, didn't, they didn't give me, they they didn't do anything other than go, I've been where you're at, I've made it through, you will make it through, but you have to make it through and you have to do the work. And I eventually learned that I was living in self-pity. And then I was like, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. And then I climbed out. And you can do it too. But it requires a lot of work. And you can't make excuses. And you can't blame everybody. And I mean, there are these are real things that are really happening. But if all you are doing is looking at the wrong and going, this is all wrong. That's not actually work. You know, like, yeah, voicing these things is good, but what are you doing in your life? How are you sustaining yourself? How are you sustaining your life? And how are you serving other people? Because pointing out how terrible things are is not actually a service to other human beings. Not continually. Not if that's the only thing that you're ever doing in your life. And like, look, I'm saying this because I was a person who's done that. But like just standing somewhere, and I mean that, you know, metaphorically, on the internet, on the Instagram, on stage, on the corner, and going like, this is bad, is not enough. You have to be kind to people. You have to slow down. You have to recharge yourself, and you have to, like, love yourself. You cannot do anything if you don't have those things. So I was talking about women's soccer, and that's what I, the tangent that I got off on, into. But we have to find joy in these places. And so that's why, personally... My focus is more on what they did rather than what they're not getting. Because honestly, if you just focus on what they do, then eventually what you get will come along. Because if you only focus on what you don't have, then that's the only thing you're going to be looking at. You know? I mean, two people can walk into the same situation and one of them can be like, wow, this is shitty. And the other one's like, wow, this is so great. What's the difference? The difference is somebody going into a situation and looking for the shitty parts. And the other person going into a situation, not even necessarily looking for the good parts, but being open to the fact that there might be good parts. That's all I needed to do in my life was somebody told me to open myself to the possibility that there might be something good on the other side. And I've thought about that a lot and I've broken it down and I've looked at parts of that sentence because it doesn't say you have to believe that everything's going to work out the way you want. That's not what that phrase says. That that phrase doesn't say, like, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be good. It's all going to work out. I mean, it is all going to work out. <laughs> That's the thing. Not the way you want or the way you want it to look, but things are going to work out. That's the way it works. If you don't want things to work out, if you believe that they won't, then they won't. And people used to say this to me my entire life, and I never believed them. And now I'm saying it to all the people that listen to this podcast, and I believe it. So, if you're like, yeah, right, I've been you, and now I'm saying it, so take that for what it's worth. That phrase means, open yourself to the possibility that there might be something good on the other side, is all you gotta do is open yourself to the possibility. That's it. That's all you gotta do, is open yourself to the possibility. Because I was a person who was not open, and I was not open to any possibility. I was closed off. I thought I knew how everything was going to go and it was going to go bad and I waited for it to go bad and then I went, look, I'm right. 
And that is a person who's like looking for things to go bad. That's not a person who's putting out like positivity or even just openness into the world. You got to be open to the fact that things might be good. And then when the things are bad, you're like, well, okay, because you're open because you're not saying it's going to be bad. So anyway, these are, this is a baseball podcast. (laughs) People never want to listen to this. Not people never, but people are very hesitant to listen to this podcast because it's about baseball. And recently it's rarely been about baseball. But, uh, you know, you do what you do, and uh, this is what I do. So let's get into Women in Baseball Week. Women in Baseball Week is an annual worldwide event recognizing the value, diversity, and cultural significance of women in baseball. Uh, this is from womeninbaseballweek.org. The future is now. The Women in Baseball Week theme for 2019 celebrates those working to accelerate the prominence of women in baseball. While the past few years have seen more women on the field behind the plate and in the broadcast booth, This momentum can only be sustained with everyone's investment. That's so true. Each small act builds upon those that came before it, and together we create more opportunities, expand youth participation, and encourage a culture that places women at the center of the world's best sport. Now, isn't that a great statement for moving forward? That's not focusing on what we don't have and what we should have and all those things, because I don't disagree. But you got to look at what's come before you. You got to make make small acts and build upon each other. And together we can create more opportunities, expand youth participation, and encourage a culture that places women at the center of the world's best sport. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I I don't know how much of an impact this podcast and just the fact that I like talk about baseball and tweet about it and retweet kids and stuff like that. I don't know how much it's done, but it's definitely been a small act that's at least built upon something else. I know those people personally now. That's something, right? You guys that listen to this podcast, some people showed up, and they were both dudes, by the way, to the Rockford uh, tournament last year for Baseball for All. They just came and watched, and it was so hot. And they came and watched because of this podcast. That's a small act that brought people together that helped to put women at the center of the world's best sport. Two people. That's a lot. That's more than zero. That's something. There were a lot of people at that tournament. It was really great. So, in honor of Women in Baseball Week, here are profiles of a few women who have helped to advance gender equity in the sport. Alta Weiss, alive 1890-1964. She was an American minor league baseball pitcher from Ohio. Hell yeah who began to pitch for boys' baseball teams at the age of 14. In 1907, at the age of 17, Weiss picked up... Weiss played a pickup game of baseball with a group of local men in Vermilion, Ohio. The mayor of the town was so impressed that he suggested to the manager of the semi-pro Vermilion Independence that she should join the team. At first, the manager refused to sign a woman, but he arranged a game between two local teams and enlisted Weiss to pitch for one. 1,200 people turned out to see her make her debut. She gave up only four hits and a single run in five innings. Soon, special trains were being run out from Cleveland, Ohio, whenever she pitched. It's almost like people want to see things when they happen. During the winter, her father continued encouraging her love of the sport. He built a heated gymnasium on his property so she could continue to practice during the offseason. In 1908, he purchased a semi-pro team for her and named it the Weiss All-Stars. And there's a really amazing photo of all of them, and it will be up on the show notes, and uh, it's an incredible photograph. 
Uh, the All-Stars traveled across Ohio and Kentucky during 1908 and 1909, and Weiss drew record crowds eager to watch her pitch. In 1910, Weiss began her medical training at Starling College of Medicine, later the Ohio State University Medical College in Columbus, Ohio. Paid for by her baseball career, she became the only woman in her class to receive a Doctor of Medicine in 1914. As Weiss developed a successful medical practice in Norwalk, Ohio, she never lost her love of baseball. She continued to encourage neighborhood children to play the sport, including Lois Youngin, who went on to become a catcher, for the Fort Wayne Daisies of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. A small act that brings us together to put women at the center of the world's greatest sport. That is Alta Weiss. Alta is a pretty cool name. Uh, And let's move on to our next woman in baseball. Maria Pepe, born in 1960, still with us. Maria Pepe may not be a household name. She is to me, but I have a very weird household. But hundreds of thousands of girls around the country have her to thank for the right to play baseball. Uh, Much of the following comes from an article that friend of the show, Brittany De La Creata, wrote in The Guardian. We'll include a link in the episode notes. In 1972, 12-year-old Maria decided to try out for a new Little League team with her friends in Hoboken, New Jersey. She'd grown up playing ball in the streets with the boys in her neighborhood, and so when the Hoboken Young Democrats held a tryout, it seemed only natural that Pepe Pepe would show up. My friends all went in and signed their name, and I stood at the door, but the coach came out. His name was Jimmy Farina, and he asked why I wasn't signing up. Pepe told the BBC World Service in a July 2018 interview. I looked at him and said, You think you would take a chance and let me sign up? My name's Maria. And he said, Can you play? And I was like, Yeah, there's no question I could play. Pepe made the team and batted over 300 in her first two games. The Bridgewater, New Jersey Courier News observed Maria played right field and third base for the team when she wasn't in her primary position, the pitcher's mound. And her fastball is rated at least equal to her teammates. That's a hell of a way to write it. (laughs) It's so funny that it's like she's got a great fastball or it's at least equal to her teammates. But word had gotten back to Little League headquarters in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Uh Uh-oh. And they were not happy. After Catherine Tubby Johnson played one season of Little League in 1950, the rules were changed to state that girls were not eligible under any circumstances. The league threatened to pull the city of Hoboken's charter, jeopardizing hundreds of boys' access to baseball if Pepe wasn't removed from the team. Pretty ridiculous. And then look how it easily turns a mob onto one person who's just playing baseball and not doing anything else. Like, how threatened must you be as a corporation of, like, potentially losing money, I guess, might be the only, or maybe that dude is just jealous. I don't know. Uh, Her coaches were some of her biggest advocates. She plays for us because she's a good hitter and an outstanding fielder, the Young Democrats manager Carmine Ranga said at the time. If the national office says drop her or lose Little League Baseball in Hoboken, we'll drop her, but it would be unfair. But after three games, that's just what they had to do. Pepe says that she was offered the opportunity to be the team's scorekeeper, which she did for one game, but said that being out of the uniform and just keeping score was so extremely frustrating that I knew I couldn't do that anymore. Could you even imagine? That kind of bullshit. The news quickly escalated, catching the attention of the National Organization for Women, who filed a gender discrimination lawsuit on her behalf. Little League brought in experts to testify why girls should be excluded from playing baseball with boys. 
Crichton Hale, a physiologist and executive of Little League Inc., test- testified that a study from Japan showed that, quote, female bones can take less twisting, less weight before being crushed and bend less before snapping. And male muscles are stronger. Men have a quicker reaction time and move quicker, according to the Central New Jersey Home News. Crichton went on to conclude that, quote, a girl batter standing 46 feet from the pitcher, the distance from the plate to the mound in Little League Baseball, would be slower in getting away from a beanball than a boy. And an injury to the face would be disastrous for the girls from a cosmetic point of view. God forbid. Two years later, after a series of contentious court cases and appeals, an appellate court ruled in Pepe's favor, making it illegal for Little League Baseball to dismiss girls from teams based on their gender. But despite being ineligible to play in her hometown league because of her age after the ruling, Maria Pepe is now the reason why girls can play baseball in youth leagues all across the country. In 2004, Pepe was invited to throw out the ceremonial first pitch at the Little League World Series in Williamsport in honor of the 30th anniversary of the court ruling. When she arrived at the tournament, she met Crichton Hale for the first time, the man whose name she'd only known as the person testifying against her, a child, in court all those years ago. Quote, he shook my hand and he said, I want you to know my granddaughter plays. I think it was his way of saying he had come full circle. And it was like a healing moment, Pepe told the BBC. I feel like I get to play forever through all the girls who play today. That is a hell of a thing to be able to do. That woman didn't get to do something she loved as a kid. She was a goddamn kid. And that man testified against her in court to keep her from doing that. And now his grandchildren play. His granddaughters play. And she was able to say it was a healing moment. That's huge. That is a huge, huge, huge thing. I have no idea how mad she's been. I don't know. Maybe she wasn't at all. But that's that's big, you know? That's being open to the possibility right there. Now, each year in June... As part of Women in Baseball Week, Hoboken, New Jersey hosts the Maria Pepe Baseball Series, a regional all-girls baseball tournament. I have met Maria Pepe in my life, and she is a wonderful human being. Tony Stone, 1921-1996. We've talked about Tony Stone on the podcast before, and you can read the excellent book Curveball for a complete story, but just to review some of the key events in her remarkable life. Tony Stone was the first of three women to play professional baseball as part of the Negro League. A professional baseball player from her early childhood, Stone played for the San Francisco Sea Lions in the West Coast Negro League Baseball League in 1945. In 1953, she was traded to the Indianapolis Clowns of the Negro League, and in 1954, she signed with the Kansas City Monarchs. Much of the following comes from Ginny Searle's article in Baseball Prospectus, Between the Lines. We'll include a note, a link in the episode notes. Throughout her career, Stone faced discrimination from all sides, in addition to the racial epithets commonly hurled at black athletes of the period. Stone was called a bull dagger, which is a racialized slur for a masculine lesbian, and was intimately familiar with the the back-to-the-kitchen song and dance. Stone wanted to play baseball and be treated as a ball player, nothing more, but could never be respected as such by the masses, even as they filled the gates to watch the spectacle of a woman replacing Hank Aaron for the Indianapolis Clowns. Most of the... That's my dog. Most of the male ballplayers shunned her as well. Stone was quite proud of the fact that the male players were out to get her. She would show off the scars on her left wrist and remember the time she had been spiked by a runner trying to take out the woman standing on second base. He was out, she recalled. 
Even though she was part of the team, she was not allowed in the locker room. If she was lucky, she would be allowed to change in the umpire's locker room. Once, Stone was asked to wear a skirt while playing for sex appeal, but she would not do it. Even though she felt like she was one of the guys, the people around her did not. While playing for the Kansas City Monarchs, she spent most of the game on the bench next to the men who hated her. It was hell, she said. Stone continually held her own on the field, impressing with a patient bat, quick trained hands at second base, and a rocket of an arm that Stone said Satchel Paige himself once commented on. Right now at the Roundabout Theater Company in New York, there is a critically acclaimed play about Stone's life called Tony Stone, running through August 11th, written by award-winning playwright Lydia Diamond and starring, how what a perfect name for this, and starring Obie Award winner April Mathis. Learn more at roundabouttheater.org. If you're in New York, please go see this and please let me know how good it is. And speaking of events, here are a few more upcoming and ongoing ways to honor, celebrate, and learn about women in baseball. The Louisville Slugger Museum and Factory Women in Baseball Week, which is in Louisville, Kentucky, USA, runs through July 27th, 2019. So go this weekend. During the special week, Louisville Slugger Museum and Factory will treat guests to interactive and informative programming for all ages, from Bloomer Girls Baseball to the speedy pitches of Jackie Mitchell striking out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and more. The Louise Pettis Archives and Special Collections at Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina. The archive is fortunate to have a burgeoning collection of material pertaining to the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. The collection was begun in 2005 with the gift of Elizabeth Lib Mahan's Mann's papers. Mahan was a Winthrop graduate class of 1942 and played in the league from 1944 to 52. A gifted outfielder who was known for her hitting prowess and her speed. In 1946, the two-time All-Star stole 114 bases in 116 attempts. That's a lot. Baseball for All, the Nationals Tournament in Rockford, Illinois, USA. That's July 31st through August 4th, 2019. Friend of the show, Justine Siegel, runs Baseball for All's 2019 National Girls Baseball Tournaments, which fuses the past and present of girls baseball to propel us into the future of the game. At BFA's Nationals, players from all over the U.S., Canada, and beyond have the unique opportunity to play with other female ballplayers their own age who love baseball as much as they do. As the largest all-girls baseball tournament in the country, the goal during this annual event is to foster healthy competition while showing girls that they belong in baseball. I also want to point out that that baseball tournament is called baseball for all that it doesn't actually have girls in the title because that is what it is meant for they are also very open and welcoming and just just down for non-binary kids trans kids it's a very welcoming environment because that is the whole point is baseball for everybody and like there are little boys hanging out and watching and playing around too and everybody's there i mean they're not playing in the tournament but they're watching and they're part of it and that i think is also really powerful is that boys are going to this tournament and watching girls play baseball and you got to see it to believe it. And that counts for the boys too. They got to see, they got to see these things because they don't very, we don't see it. So they don't see it either. So that helps change boys perspective. They're getting it from the culture that girls can't do this thing. And then they go to a tournament, they watch girls do that thing. Like they'll eventually believe that girls can do the thing. They're watching them do it. And then finally, we've got the Eugene Emeralds, a league of their own night. Eugene, Oregon, in U.S., uh, the United States of America, August 2nd, 2019. Celebrate the various women in baseball today and this summer with a league of their own night on August 2nd. Former All-American Girls professional ba- baseball player Lois Youngin will be in attendance. Take home a piece of history with a Lois Youngin bobblehead. 
Keep track of women's baseball events throughout the year by following the International Women's Baseball Center on Twitter, which is at IWBC4Me, and by visiting the Women in Baseball Week website, womeninbaseballweek.org. What a wonderful episode of Women in Baseball. Um, I'm so glad that you're all here and listening, and I hope you have AC. I do, but it's not built in, and so it's not very efficient. And I am so hot, and I'm going to play baseball this weekend, and it's going to be in the 90s. And I don't know why I'm doing it. (laughs) I love the game. It's going to be a nightmare. I just want to hit the ball. So follow us on Twitter, Forever Dog. Tell a friend about the show if you like it. I'm trying to be more regular with the show getting out there. And I appreciate everybody for hanging in and doing the dang thing, you know. Um, And tell a friend about it. Happy to be here. Glad you're all here. I love you all. If you're in Los Angeles, come out next week to the last Put Your Hands Together ever Um, it's been six and a half years that we've been doing the show and it's coming to an end and I'm sad and happy about it, but also like it's time for it to, to be a thing that's happened instead of a thing that's happening. So I'm grateful to everybody and, uh, yours truly in baseball. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it.